The Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. This is our weekly conversation about what's going on in the world from the perspective of our Catholic social teaching. This week, we're this weekend is a weekend after election day and we'll talk a little bit about the elections even though as we all have kind of understood for some of them it's going to take a little while to decide although almost all of them have been decided by the time that uh you're listening to this um so we'll talk a little bit about that but our main focus this week is on an annual event that takes place uh in Puerto Rico and it's an interesting event which let me talk a little bit about it. It is the SOMOS conference, (coughs) which is kind of the caucus of New York state legislature, the Hispanic caucus that is part of that. I may not have the terms exactly right, which began a while ago. And they hold this annual event, which is almost always immediately following election day to talk about their agenda, to talk about, what they would like to achieve in the upcoming uh, session of the New York state legislature. And it's a, as you can imagine, all of these things, it is a great opportunity to informally speak with a variety of different, different people. I know that sometimes these events are kind of considered to be junkets and like, but I have now gone to this for a number of years. I've gone to it for a number of years because um we have been invited by Catholic charities to oftentimes make presentations about our work. And I'll talk a little bit more about the fact that we also have been asked to schedule a day of service, that we provide the participants in the conference with the opportunity to understand a little bit about the programs on Staten, uh, I'm sorry, on Puerto Rico, and give them the opportunity to actually make a little bit of hands-on kind of contribution to that. So, that's uh, what is going on uh, this this weekend as um, you're listening to Just Love. And um, one of the events that we will have is kind of a reception that Catholic Charities and Human Service Agencies will, will sponsor. And I am delighted that uh, we're going to be able to um, welcome there uh, at that event uh, Carmen Viafane, who is the senior vice president of the New York Foundling for Early Head Start and Head Start in, in Puerto Rico. And she is our guest. And I'm delighted to call Carmen a colleague, delighted to have uh, worked with Carmen on a number of projects and to see the incredible good work that she has done there. Carmen, thank you so much for joining us on Just Love. <laughs> good morning, Monsignor. Thank you. For having me program today. So, Carmen, for the sake of our listeners who are from all over the United States, um, give the listeners a little bit about your own kind of personal background. Um, were you born on in Puerto Rico? Was your family born in Puerto Rico? Did you live elsewhere? How did you get involved in what you're doing now? Give, let them say so then you're not just a voice, that they get a little bit of sense of your own history, your own background. Yes, uh, it's my pleasure. I'm 100% Puerto Rican. I was born in Puerto Rico, in Carolina, Puerto Rico. My parents are from Puerto Rico. 
Uh, I have two beautiful uh, boys and girls, uh, which uh, one of them live in Florida. And I have been with the New York family uh, for 38 years uh, since I, I, I was a teacher when I get here in 1984. Uh, I was invited to join the New York founding and I have been here for 38 years. You must have begun at age five. Is that when you began? At a very young age. Yeah. <laughs> I began at a very, very young age. And I was a I was a wonderful teacher. I always say I love my kids and I love to work with families. That's why I'm here, uh, following the mission of uh and the commitment to support families in reaching their full potential. Great. So, so give our listeners a little bit of a sense of, first of all, what is Head Start and what is Early Head Start? It's not a program that is just on Puerto Rico, but it's throughout um, the whole United States. So some of our listeners may not be familiar with what Head Start is. So give them a sense of, of what this program is. Yes, uh, Head Start is a program uh, which is sponsored by uh, New York Founding through federal grants. Uh, we serve uh, families and very young children in ages zero to oh, five years old when they are in the preschool setting. And at this moment, uh, we have served over 100 of young children since their birth. Many of these children have disabilities and some have specific learning problems. Head Start has been a great opportunity for these families and children in poverty. Our staff is always guided by our vision of serving the most needed children and families, followed by values and Christian, Christian principles. In our program, in a Head Start program, families will find a team of professionals that will guide them to find opportunities to raise their children in an, in an environment of respect, values, and to understand their role as primary educators of children. We really want that parents understand that they are the first educators of their children. We work with them, health issues, way to create the best learning environment at home, how to create family and personal goals, but especially to be the beloved family their children need. Our centers are located in very poor community in five different municipalities of the island. So, Carmen, um, let me let me ask you a question. I know you're going to tell me no to this question, but so isn't Head Start simply babysitting? You just babysit for the kids? No, it is not a babysitting for kids. Head Start is a program in which families and children grow together. It's a developmental setting for children and family. Here, since we have our pregnancy, we teach them how to love, how to care about children. And when those children are born, they stayed in our setting in, heads, in early Head Start in which they will develop learning skills and they, where they will be joining other kids and they will be least, least uh, prepared to go back to kindergarten. So we have the responsibility 
of preparing those children, those families, to understand the next step when they go to kindergarten. They have to be prepared. They have to have very good knowledge before they start in kindergarten. So we're speaking with Carmen Viafane, who is the senior vice president for Head Start in Puerto Rico of the New York Foundling. And she has been doing this for decades and incredibly knowledgeable. And I've been really blessed and privileged to, to see Carmen at work in Puerto Rico over the past past number of years. Carmen, you mentioned something else, which I think is also something that is worth making sure that our listeners are aware of. Now, education, we usually think the kids are in a classroom, we teach them, they learn. But you said something pretty important, that in Head Start, it's not merely about the young child who comes in the classroom, but it's about the family. Say a little bit more about the importance of the family and how the family is involved in Head Start programs. Yes, uh, since we received parents uh, since the beginning, the first things that we do is let them know they are uh, very important for us. As, As I said before, they have to know they are their first educators at home. So we receive young, very young parents in our program, which have not completed even their, their, their high school, which even they are not involved in any community issues. So we teach them, we guide them to come into the classroom, we guide them to get prepared for their future. They have to establish which are their personal and family goals. They have to know where to go, how to take care of their kids, and how to be involved in community issues and in school issues. What happens is that if we don't if if we don't guide them to be the parents that those kids need, they won't be involved when they go to public schools in kindergarten. So they want us, they want them that be the first educators, the, the defenders of those children. So uh, families are very important for us. Right now we have a meeting downstairs with a policy council meeting. Policy council meeting is an executive committee of parents with really participate in the decision making of our program. This is why they are so important for us. Parents, Parents really are an essential part of our program. So that is a that's a really um, important important part of it. And I think the the other part that you said to it is that you set goals for the parents when they come in. And so um, it's not merely about the child learning, but it's about the parent and the parent being able to support the child in in their education. Yes. Yes. They, they establish goals, not only not only for their children. They have to establish goals, personal goals. Where do I want to go? Do I, do I need to complete my high school? Do I have, do I need to go back to school? What can I do to have my best family setting? What do I need? Where do I need to go to for help? Which are my goals in terms of my children? What do I want them? We, we, we really want them to understand that 
children are very essential in their lives. So they, they have the responsibility to prepare as parents to help them grow in a safety environment, in a lovely environment. So they have to establish their goal and those goals are being uh, followed up by a social worker with them to see if they reach the goals and if they need additional help that we could find out in the communities. Carmen, I mean, you mentioned that some of the parents are the parents come from very different circumstances and the foundling in all of its programs, but particularly this one, might is, is probably more geared to those families who have fewer resources than others. I mean, fortunately, many families do have resources. They can help their kids in other ways, but some families don't. So with the families you're dealing with, now you mentioned they, they, they do have limited uh, economic resources, et cetera. But what have you found over the years, some of the challenges that parents face that you really have to work with them to overcome some of those challenges or maybe obstacles to doing what, uh, to meeting their goals? Yes. All our centers are located in very, very poor communities in five different municipalities in the islands. And many of the challenges they have is housing. They, they, they don't have appropriate houses. Uh, another of their challenge is uh, they don't have, they, they live in, in so poor communities, so far from the, from the downtown. They don't have even transportation. Right now, uh, our community were in, very impacted by Hurricane Fiona. And many of our family lost, lost their belongings completely. Their houses were flooded. They didn't have electricity like for two weeks, losing all their food. And even the essential service of water was missed in the houses for several days. So uh, we worked together with them, thanks of, of, of donations, like, like the ones from Catholic charities that we receive and Somos in Puerto Rico, we were able to buy them some water, milk, formulas, and some food to send family. We still keep in touch with these families, identified additional needs. Also, some of our employees lost their belongings. So we have a lot of challenges with these families. We are working, we're still working close with them. But uh, as I said before, these communities are, are very, very poor. And I think, let me just... Um kind of put in a, in a little bit of a, of a summary what you said, is that basically families who are poor, their challenges when it comes to housing, transportation, basic necessities, that's a real challenge if the kids are going to succeed in an educational program. Yes. So, so I mean, you brought up Hurricane Fiona. And one of the, the initial times that uh, I was able to see some of the good work of the founding was after Hurricane Maria. How would you describe the impact of, of Hurricane Fiona compared with uh, Maria? Well, both of them really affect us, but Maria was, uh, oh my God, I, I don't want even to think about Maria. It was, it was, 
the 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 hardest uh, hurricane we have received during the last years. But in Fiona, we have a lot of flooding. Oh my God, we lost. We we, we still have family without any furniture. They lost their cars. They lost all their clothing. They lost all their food because about we didn't have electricity. We still have communities that we are serving that do not have electricity at this moment, that do not have water at this moment. And we have to deal with that situation and we have to be finding out help from the communities to, to, to bring some kind of uh, uh, assistance to these families. Both of those hurricanes really, really hit us very hard. So it was a, it wasn't as widespread as Maria, but for the individuals who it impacted, it was very devastating for those families and those neighborhoods. We still, we still have roads that parents cannot drive in because rocks went down, and they had, they, they, there's no communication between us. For example, Coamo in the south, with here in San Juan. They cannot pass over because the road is completely full with rocks. Wow. Wow. Um, so, Carmen, let me go to, to another topic. I mean, after, at such a young age, after long, you're going to be kind of um, retiring. Am I, do I have that right? Yes. I have been Head Start. Believe me, 50 years already. Whoa. A long, long way since I was very young, as I said before. Mm. And I would love to do a lot of different things with my family, with my husband, with my uh, grandchildren that I have. And I really want to be uh, very near them in their development. So tell us a little bit more about what you're what you're planning in your in your retirement? Well, I would love to do, you know, um, I have a daughter, which is a pediatrician, and I always say, oh, I would love to go to that hospital and read story to those children who sometimes they don't have their mother because they live very far from the hospital and they have to leave those children alone in the hospital. So it would be a very lovely activity if I have the opportunity to go there and take care of those kids and read, I would love also. I would love also to travel to do some traveling out of Puerto Rico. Uh, I love my island. I, I really want to do internal uh, traveling here. Tourists uh, go to very a lot of towns that I haven't visited. Even Puerto Rico is a leader island. Mm-hmm. We have a different. Uh, scenarios and different places that I haven't visited yet. So which is, which, um, do you have a favorite part of the island yourself? Oh, well, uh, the east of Puerto Rico is very beautiful. They have beautiful beach, very good food. And uh, I invite you and all the people who are hearing us to come to Puerto Rico and see our beautiful places that we really have and enjoy the food. That is one of the better uh, foods in, in, I think, in the world. <laughs> it's it certainly is. And um, um, are your your grandchildren nearby? Are they on the island, or are they off the island? 
Yes, I have two of them who live here in Puerto Rico and two of them who live in Florida. So okay. I, I would love to travel also a little bit more, more frequently to Florida so I can enjoy my, my grandkids there. Uh, well, Carmen, um, I just want to say a word of thanks to you for all you have done for all of these years. And I'm delighted that you're going to be honored in during the SOMAS conference to point out the good work that you are doing and, or have done and at least continue to do until you retire and of the foundling and all the staff who's doing that. I can't think of anybody who is more worthy of the honor. So uh, uh, congratulations on that honor. Thank you. I appreciate your work. And I really also want to thank a donation from Catholic Charities at Solomon in New York. We're going to have a, a next Friday a very uh, beautiful activity in which we were fortunate to be selected by Somos of New York and Catholic Charity as their community day in which six of our family will receive donations of clothes, beds, cribs, washing machine, mattress, and other essential articles. And we feel blessed that there are organizations with so much love to share with these most needed and affected families. So I know I'm going to be retired, but I'm, I will be volunteer for any of those uh, initiatives you have. I would love to be part of Catholic Charity and Somos and other community uh, program that could help families and young children. Common, uh, just again, for, for our listeners, uh, so that you know, you're going to be hearing this in the middle of the SOMAS conference where, because of logistics, we're taping it a little bit in advance. And so Carmen will have received her award by the time you're hearing this, but it's a few days away. Carmen, I look forward to being with you this week uh, in Puerto Rico at the New York Foundling site and at the SOMAS thing. So thank you so much for everything you've done for these decades. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Great. For your Carmen Viafane, Senior Vice President for Early Head Start and the Head Start Division in Puerto Rico of the New York Foundling. She has been at this, as she said, for many, many years and still doing a magnificent job there. We're just delighted that she uh, is doing it. And I'm delighted that I will be with her uh, on in Puerto Rico during the SOMAS conference and the Catholic Charities SOMAS Day of Service. So it's a good thing where we're, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing that. Uh, Tom, um, so, you know, before we take a break, let me just ask you, did you... Uh, did you stay up to look at some of the election returns? I, you know, Monsieur, I, I did stay up to look at some of them. Um, I, I have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize for my voice, but um, I did stay up. And, uh, you know, it wasn't quite from what I have seen. It wasn't the red wave, I guess, it at least appears not to be that people were expecting. So it was a little it was a little surprising. Um, and and I think, you know, I can't wait to see the postmortem of what other people are thinking about the election, you know, in a couple of days. I, I think there's going to be a lot of, of information uh, and, and, and for people to dissect. That's, yeah. that's at least what I was thinking. Yeah, Tom, I think next week we'll talk a lot more ab about it after 
uh, the results are are in because they're going to be uh, some of the some of the results are not going to be in for a while in the races that are pretty pretty close. So uh, anyway, but anyway, so let's just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We will take a break and we will be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM. And our world will be more just and more compassionate. So three loves. Love for God, love for others, love for one's self. Uh, You might be able to figure that out from the Ten Commandments, where the first three talk about the relationship with God. The next seven talk about the relationship with neighbor. And they are very concrete ways that we show love. I mean, love, when we talk about love from our Christian Catholic perspective. We're not talking merely about a feeling, although the feeling of love is great. But what we're talking about is the actions that do good. And so when we talk about love, we say, what are the loving things to do? What are the things that are the right things to do? And loving, doing the right thing by God, doing the right thing by others, and doing the right thing by ourselves is 
what we kind of say just love is about, is the three loves, love of God, love of neighbor, love of self. And they all kind of go together. And if we all paid attention to those three loves, then we would be creating a world that was more just and it was more compassionate. You know, we just finished um, election day and uh, millions and millions of people went to the to the polls. And, um, you know, it, my you know immediate take on on it is, to be perfectly honest, I didn't I wasn't much surprised at all. And I didn't learn a whole lot by it because I think we went into the election realizing that we are a very, very divided nation, that there are people who hold very divergent views. And, you know, I think that's what came out because, you know, there were there was no runaways in 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 the way that things happened that, you know, sometimes Democrats won, sometimes Republicans won. You know, at a micro level, you can probably do a little bit more more analysis, but you didn't have a great um, turnout that was merely for one group or merely for another group. You know, and even when races were decided and they do make a difference, elections do make a difference. You know, there were very, very few elections that were runaways, except in those places where there was only kind of predominantly voters for a particular party. And so from my point of view, I didn't see much that was surprising. That doesn't mean in a few races there weren't some things that I kind of will say, oh, that's an interesting thing. I wonder what happened there. So why do I bring that up? I bring that up is because from our perspective, from our just love perspective, we got to work with everybody. And we got to work with everybody. And we call on all of the elected officials to do the right thing. Now, we have a perspective on what we think the right thing is. On some issues, some of the politicians are going to agree with us. On other issues, other politicians are going to agree with us. But from our perspective, we think things that should move forward that show love for neighbor and love for self, love for God, but those manifest themselves in different ways when we talk about the public square. So anyway, enough of a little bit of the theory of elections. Um, Let's now go to our next guest. Our next guest is Teresa Santiago, who is the uh, president of Task Communications and a good friend and an incredibly um, knowledgeable person about so many different things. But we're going to talk Puerto Rico today, which I don't know anybody who knows more about Puerto Rico, the SOMAS conference, the connection between Puerto Rico and the rest of the United States than Teresa Santiago. Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this morning uh, on Just Love. Thank you, Monsignor, for having me. It's a pleasure. It is. It is great. So are you looking forward to the SOMAS conference this year? I am looking forward to it. Um, I really am looking forward to finding out um, what 
the diaspora here in the United States is 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 going to be helping more in Puerto Rico, and uh, what are the uh, the pro the progress that has been done, if any? Um, I think that's important, and I think that um, people from from the mainland going to Puerto Rico and seeing firsthand how things are, I think. Uh, bringing back the mess, whatever the, that message will be, is going to be important. So, today, so you know, our, our Just Love show um, airs throughout the United States. Those of us who are on the East Coast, we probably have a little bit more awareness of the connection between the United States, the mainland of the United States, and the island of the United States, Puerto Rico. Maybe people in the other parts of the country may not be as aware. Um, so why is there such a strong connection between Puerto Rico and the United States? And I might say, but correct me if I'm wrong, you know, certainly New York and Florida, but that's it's not only there. But I would say to some extent, that's a kind of a, a center, two centers of the connection. Talk to us a little bit about how that connection came about and what it means. Well, I. Since the 1950s, we have been um, Americans. Um, a part. I don't want to get into the politics because that's a time bomb. But um, we have been uh, Americans by birth, so it is a natural um, um, back and forth of going to the island freely and coming into the United States and and. Um, but there's, we have, you know, we are a, uh, we are definitely connected uh, with the United States government, although we do not have the right to vote, um, and we do serve in the armed forces. Uh, we 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 are Americans, so that's a very big um, connection and uh, a, a, a source of pride, also. Uh, but, you know, but Teresa, say a little bit more, because I think, you know, Guam is also a territory of the United States, but nothing against Guam, but it's not got the same place as Puerto Rico. Well, we, we were, you're correct, but dating back, we were a strategic um, uh, military uh, post, right. you know, people, you know, we, we that was the first island that protected the United States from any any invasion. So mm. that is a big part of our history with the United States. That, and, that, uh, and again, Teresa, for the sake of our, our listeners, that mm. also became a little bit of a of of an of a strong point of contention because was there a naval base on Vieques, one of the islands? Yes. Absolutely. Um th there was um there was a, a a lease that was supposed to be for ten years, right. and um, seventy years or sixty years later, um, the United States was doing um, military maneuvers um, right. on Vieques. Um, to to date, a lot. I mean, they stopped um, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, because of a united, and this is very important. This was a victory for Puerto Rico because everyone, no matter what your economic status was, no matter what your 
political status was or, or political affiliation was or religion, everyone came together on the island and said, enough. This has to change. Uh, the U.S. Navy has to leave the island. And that push, that unified push, um, really was the victory. And having, you know, a friendly uh, uh, a, a president that was, was able to say, yes, we, we, we're going to do this. But okay. the support was, world, was worldwide and extremely unified. Um, but with Vieques, there was a cleanup that had to happen that has not happened. Right. And we're mm -hmm. going on another uh, 10 years on that. And there's still uranium in the water. And let me tell you, Vieques is one of the most beautiful islands. Uh, the water is so clear and pristine. And you could see the... the Okay, Teresa. Now I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pick on you now for a moment. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I've been uh, on the island of Puerto Rico with you a number of different times on various missions and service projects that you've organized so well. Um, how come you never brought me to Vizcaicas if it's so beautiful? I know. Well, it's it's a little hard to get to. You know, you have to take. You have to get on a boat, and it's a three-hour ride. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but we, but we will. That okay. I think we should. <laughs> so, so Teresa, for the sake of our, our 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 listeners again, you talked about the 1950s and kind of movement of peoples. What was going on in the 1950s that caused uh, people to kind of migrate somewhat off the island? Well, there was a, a very big economic and industrial change. Okay. Really, it went from agricultural to a more in industry, more um, manufacturing uh, islands. And a lot of people um, at that point migrated uh, because the jobs that were that were being uh, proposed, they were not they were not equipped for. So there was a huge migration to the United States. Um and and again, the island went from an agricultural um, economy to an industrial economy. Uh, and now, what's interesting is that it's reverting back to a agricultural. Now, young people are really um, stepping up and going back and and going back to the land and growing their own their own uh, food and and uh, starting their own. Uh, uh, businesses um, and micro uh, micro enterprises. So it's very interesting how things are changing because of what's happening about the economy in Puerto Rico and what's you know what's happening there now. So we're speaking with uh, Teresa Santiago, who is the president, chief uh, executive officer of Task Communications. She has been involved in so many important. Um, activities over the past few years. Um, and we're talking about Puerto Rico. But uh, so today, so for the sake of our listeners, tell us a little bit about SOMOS and the conference that takes part there this week. Uh, the SOMOS conference has been around for uh, over 25 years. Um, and, and again, it was a um, uh, an interchange of, of ideas uh, between leg the legislature there and, and on the mainland. And it's always been 
um, how can we have, um, how can we form some partnerships and relationships that will, that would, that would help both uh, Puerto Ricans here uh, uh, in the U.S. and in Puerto Rico. As time has gone on, especially in the in the in in the the, the recent future, uh, with all of the you know with the Hurricane Maria and the earthquakes and the uh, you know the the economy um, in Puerto Rico, Somos has been really a, a stronghold in in really helping. Um, the, the residents of Puerto Rico, the people that are still there. Um, and uh, it, it, it's, it's wonderful to see that, that evolution of the conference because it's, it's, it's really giving back. It is a, a, a strong partnership that's being held and, and solutions, trying to find solutions on how to assist the people of Puerto Rico right now. Um, there's been a lot of humanitarian help um, Catholic Charities, of course, has been a, a, a strong supporter of all of the humanitarian work that has been done through different partners. And um, it, it, it's wonderful to see that. It's wonderful to see that, that this conference has taken, taken um, uh, this, this, this idea of helping people directly, you know, having that one-on-one a relationship with the people of Puerto Rico and helping them. So, Therese, as you mentioned in the beginning, you were interested in seeing what was going to be some of the topics that were on the minds of people concerning the diaspora and others. And obviously, because of the gathering has so many uh, people who are involved in government and and public policy, there is a lot of conversation about public policy, agendas, what's coming up. Teresa, from your kind of perspective as somebody who's watched this for a number of years, what would you think might be two or three of the big topics that might be, that people might be kind of on people's minds as they gather uh, this year um, for SOMOS? I I think is... um, what what has been done? What has been? Um, where is Puerto Rico right now uh, economically? Um, uh, how how far do they need to go? What are the what are the changes that need to happen? Like for instance, and I'm, I'm getting a little I'm going to get a little specific. Is like the Jones Act. Okay, the Jones Act right. is an archaic law that has been in right. the books since the 1800s, and it is, um, you know choking uh let me let me just for the sake of our our listeners (laughs) and you correct me i think the jones act says something like goods going to puerto rico have to be on american ships or stop someplace in the mainland of the united states before they go to puerto rico which adds a lot of cost but i know i'm not exactly right but i'm in the the right ocean you are um (laughs) For instance, a chicken that is born, let's say born in Puerto Rico, has to leave the island, come to the U.S. and come back on a U.S. ship to be sold in Puerto Rico. Really? That doesn't make any sense. So it's tax going and it's tax coming. And all of that is, is, 
is reflected on the price of the chicken. (laughs) So all goods that go out of Puerto Rico need to be taxed and goods that come into Puerto Rico need to be taxed. And they do do have to be on U.S. ships. So we talked about this. So you can't just do arroz con pollo with your neighbor. You got to send your arroz con pollo to Miami and then back to Puerto Rico. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that arroz con pollo is very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. So that'll be one specific. Anything else? Anything else? Um, the the issue of uh, SSI. Um, okay. If you if if you're a person you retire here in in the U.S. and you have and you have SSI, you go to Puerto Rico and you no longer receive SSI. Now, you are an American citizen. You have um, you know you have this need of that extra SSI um, right. uh, income. And just for the mere fact that you're moving to the island, uh, you don't have it anymore. There are some there are some legal cases that are being tried right now. Um, I know one went all the way up to the Supreme Court and it, it, they, it, it and it and it lost. But there are other people that are that are also uh, challenging uh, the U.S. For, for this, uh, so again, and I think the, we need to unite around that because so that's Teresa, for, the, for the sake of our, our listeners, um, SSI is Social Security uh, increment. I may get, get it right, wrong. it's supplemental, it's a supplemental, yeah. which uh, for, for people maybe who have certain disabilities or things like that to help them to be able to live in, in dignity. Teresa, am I correct if you regular Social Security? If you move to Puerto Rico, you still get it. Yes, you do, but not not the not not the supplement. No. Okay. All right. So uh, I, you see, it kind of like doesn't make any sense because if you if you get Social Security and you're getting it there, and you need because you're disabled or you have a family member that's disabled, you can't you can't get it. So Teresa, I'm on your side, but I'll tell you <laughs> what the argument about the difference is. Mm-hmm. The difference is that. Although it's a little bit of a fiction, not completely, but there's a little bit that says, right. They say Social Security you worked for, you earned, and therefore mm-hmm. you get it no matter where you go. Social mm-hmm. Security increment is a benefit which you didn't earn, and therefore it's more restrictive. Now, that's the argument. I'm not saying I accept the argument, mm-hmm. but that's how they, in my judgment, inappropriately split the issue True. And that's right. where i think you say we have to make sure that people become aware of the issue to kind of remedy something that is not in the benefit of of people who need that supplement in order to live their lives in dignity right absolutely okay. um, and then Jim, just one one last uh, thing that i've been thinking about and talking within the leaders of uh, the Puerto Rican and outside of Puerto Rican community is that a lot of a lot of people that that have homes are being kind of like pushed out of course gentrification of their of their homes because the economy is bad they don't they don't have the money to pay the mortgage I mean you know Puerto Rico has gone through many issues and these the the the, i mean they're towns that are owned by people that are non-puerto rican and there is no 
there is no um, program or like a mortgage program or even a program to help people buy a property in Puerto Rico. They're not given an opportunity uh, because of, because they live there or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or they want the Puerto Ricans and they want to move to the island and buy something. They're not giving um, people the opportunity to do that. People mm-hmm. are going there and paying cash for, you know, million dollar homes. And, you know, the regular person can't, can't do that. So there, there's some discussion of, of doing some type of program that would allow Puerto Ricans to have the first dip, let's say, on property because Mm. they they live there. So that's, those those are things that I I hope will be discussed at the Somos conference. Right. Teresa Santiago, the um, wonderful person, a good friend, a good colleague, uh, speaking about the SOMOS conference. Uh, she is the president of TASC Communication and um, is going to be a strong participant in the SOMOS conference in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico this week. Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Just Love this morning. And I look forward to being with you at the conference this week. Okay, thank you so much. See you later. (laughs) See you tonight. Bye-bye. Just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. Our world will be more just than it will be more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. If we all did it, our world would be much, much better if we had billions of people who were loving neighbor um, and loving themselves, we would be in much better shape. Um, you know, as we are post-election day, let me just offer a little bit of a, of a reflection from our Catholic perspective. I think that in recent years, as there has been a decrease in participation in church services, particularly by Catholics, but not exclusively by Catholics, I think one of the negative impacts of that is that humankind looks for the transcendent. We need something that kind of brings us out of ourselves, that we're involved in something greater than ourselves. And appropriately, it is God. And religion, when done well, should be helping us to move in the direction of a deeper relationship with God. Religion should not be an end in itself but it should be drawing us into that deeper relationship with God and then by extension with one another and even with ourselves. What I would like to suggest is that one of the difficulties we have these days in politics is that because religion has diminished for many people that they have almost made politics or particularly ideology, their version of ideology to take the place of religion. And they've kind of raised that up to almost a transcendent. And that's why I think it gets so vitriolic and it gets so harsh is because if I'm coming with what I think is a God-like thing, then if somebody is opposing me, well, they must have a devil-like thing. And that's what I think is is part of it. We we've raised politics to the place where kind of God is, and there's a little bit I would suggest, without being exaggerating, an idolatry of politics that we make that the be all and end all of everything. And this is not a partisan issue against one side against the other, but it is simply to say that there is the possibility, and I think the reality, that for millions of Americans, maybe even unknowingly, they have substituted a political ideology for religious worship. And I think that is what gets us in, in trouble. We need to understand that politics is incredibly important, but it's not the be-all and end-all of human existence. And as I said, I think sometimes we do that. And hence, I think we're now in the situation in which we um, very much uh, are at each other's throats in almost the way that, you know, some of the religious wars a long time ago, when there was a lot more hostility among Christians, even in, in Western Europe, Catholics, Protestants, we still have the issue of religious um, divisiveness, religious persecution, 
among different religions now in the world. And we've talked about that a number of different times. And so I'm not saying that that has gone away. But certainly, I think in the United States, we've begun to raise up politics as the new religion. And when you do that, it really uh, skews things tremendously. And it creates, I think, so much of the problem that we currently have. So we'll talk more about actually the political scene and the recent elections. Uh, Next week, we'll talk more about that. But anyway, but for the time being, I just want to say just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. Thank you for being with us on Just Love. Tom, thank you for the guests we have. Join us again on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You're listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.